0: Good morning everybody. It is wonderful to be with you this morning. My name is Rob. I am one of the ministers here. I've been here for about nine years at this church. Well, almost 10 now actually as time is kind of marching on. But before I was here, I used to live in Ireland and uh, I I was in Ireland for a while. I worked as a sales representative for a number of different companies selling a number of different products. And I sold alarm systems. I sold mobile phones. I sold TV broadband, landline packages. I even sold spa treatments for a hotel at one stage, which, was, which is an interesting part of my career. But uh, if you know anything about sales, you'll understand that a salesperson's technique doesn't actually change very much, even if they're selling a different product. Because sales isn't really about products. It's about people. And it's about trying to get people to be persuaded to make a decision that ostensibly suits them but also benefits you or your company. That's kind of how sales works. And how do you do that? Well, the goal really is to get them to see your product or your service as the best possible solution, the immediate solution to their problem. And I use the word immediate very deliberately because the more time somebody has to think about the offer that you have, the more time they have to think about alternatives, right? And uh, so there's a little tip as to what salespeople are often trying to do, is get you to make a decision. And you can probably all think about examples of situations where you've made a decision really quickly because a salesperson kind of made you feel really good about making that decision in the moment, and maybe it wasn't a great decision. I once wanted a camcorder so badly that I went to the shop that was offering special offers on this great model, and I got there, and the model wasn't there. In fact, not only was the model not not there, but there was only one model left in, in stock. Guess what I did? I bought it, right? Because that's what you do when a salesperson talks to you and says, ah, but we've got this one you see, and it's silver. You know, so I bought it, and it, it, was, it was quite uh, you know, a short period of time before I realized that it wasn't even compatible with the, with the video editing software I was using. So it was a pretty, pretty serious regret that came pretty soon on after, after that. But what's true of making decisions on you know, the sales floor is also true of any other decision that we have to make in any context, which is quite simply this, hasty decisions lead to more regrets. We all know this, right? This is, this is quite obvious. And if our decisions are the steering wheels of our lives, and in the same way that we shouldn't you know, drive while drunk or under the influence of, of some kind of substance, we also shouldn't make any kind of critical decision when we're emotionally charged, when we're really you know, hyped up about something. You know, Making the wrong decision about a camcorder, it's not the end of the world. You know? But the problem is, if you can't learn how to make you know, non-impulsive decisions about the small things, then actually you're not really well set up where in the heat of the moment when emotions are charged and things are really, really difficult, there are much bigger consequences to your decisions. And we all know situations like that. And so somehow we have to figure out how to not give in to that heat of the moment kind of decision. How do we prepare ourselves when there is more at stake? But it's difficult isn't it because there are very few if if any situations in life that are emotionally neutral we're either excited about something or nervous about something that's just how life works and there are no neutral environments for us to make those decisions in and that's because in everybody's head there's a little salesperson and that little salesperson is saying to us you can be satisfied now You can be complete now. If you only make this decision now, something great can come your way. So how do we learn to calmly respond to that voice, that inner voice that urges us to kind of seek instant gratification? How do we stop? How do we pause? How do we say, let's just slow down this decision-making so that I make better decisions and have fewer regrets? Well, last week, Chris, our senior minister, spoke to us about Uh, a number of questions that we're going to be looking at over, over five weeks, five key questions to help us to do exactly that, slow down our decision making. And the first question that he spoke about was the integrity question. If you missed it last week, you can catch up via our YouTube channel and I highly recommend it because it's a great question to ask yourself, to slow yourself down and make sure that you're making better decisions and fewer regrets. However, today I want to talk to you about a different question, the legacy question. And it's called the legacy question because it it focuses our minds on the future by asking us this simple question. What story do I want to tell? It's an important question because every decision that you make becomes a permanent part of the story of your life. You know, each choice has an outcome, whether that outcome is good or bad and desired or undesired, whether it's expected or unexpected, there is always an outcome to the choices that you make. I'll give you an example. Your boss comes to you and he wants you to lie to a client. So you lie to the client. Then the client finds out about it. And the client comes and complains to your boss. And your boss says, boss ooh, he lied to the client. And you get fired it's not a great story is it it's not really the kind of story you want to tell with your life I'll give you an alternative story your boss comes to you and says I want you to lie to a client you say no I won't lie to the client then you get fired for not doing what the boss wants you to do it's not a great story but it is a better story than the last one if you have to tell the story right Because you don't have to leave out anything. You don't have anything to be ashamed of because you kept your integrity even though it cost you something. You know, life is like that. Sometimes the outcomes of the decisions that we make are still not fair, but the story that we tell when we talk about those decisions is different. And we all want a good story. We want a story that we don't have to lie about. We don't have to gloss over. We don't want to leave key bits of that story out when we're telling people because we're embarrassed and we're ashamed. So what we need to learn is to ask this question so that we think about what kind of story we want to be able to tell when this decision that I have to make right now in this moment is nothing more than a story. Even if the situation is a no-win situation, it's still gonna have a story that you're gonna have to tell about it afterwards. What do you want your story to read like? I'm pretty sure that all of you wanna be able to tell a story where you don't have to leave out details because you're worried about what people will think of you, right? I'm also pretty sure, because I think it's true of all of us, that we'd quite like to be the hero in our own story, right? Who wants to be the villain in our own story? That's messed up. You want to be the hero. But in order for you to be the hero of that story that's going to be told in the future, you have to make heroic decisions in the here and now. You have to make the right decisions, better decisions, that lead to fewer regrets Fewer opportunities to have to fudge the story later on. So how do we become the hero of the story that we want to tell? How do we do that? Well, we're going to look this morning at a story in the Bible, a very famous story with heroes and villains in it. And we're going to look at how it perfectly demonstrates the importance of the legacy question, asking ourselves, what kind of story do I want to tell with my life? It's found in the Old Testament part of the Bible. It's the story of Joseph. You probably know the guy, Joseph, the guy with the technicolor dream coat that J- Jason Donovan played in that in that big musical. Or Joseph, the main character in the DreamWorks animation, the Prince of Egypt. You know the guy. You've probably heard of him, even if you haven't heard of his entire story. So if you haven't heard of his story, I'm just going to give you a really, really kind of brief, abridged version of how his story began. Around about 11, uh, not 11, 1800... BC, somewhere around there, there's a 17 year old guy called Joseph. He's the 11th of 12 sons, so a really big family. And he finds himself in a no win situation that he didn't make. Okay? His father, Jacob, loved him more than all of his other brothers. And that had to do with the fact that Jacob had a number of wives. And, and, and this particular wife was his favorite. So the children that came from this wife were his favorite. And ultimately, Joseph was his favorite kid. And you might think, that's a great way to start. I'd like to be the favorite. You know what being the favorite does? It makes your siblings really jealous. You want to know how jealous these siblings got? They ended up selling him into slavery. They were so annoyed that he was the favorite that they sold him into slavery and they told their father that he'd been killed by a wild animal. And it broke their father's heart. And now these 10 other kids have to live with this story for the rest of their lives because they can't let the story that is true get out. They can't let anybody find out that they sold their brother into slavery, let alone their father. It would absolutely devastate that relationship and would paint them as the villains of the story. So they have to live a lie for the rest of, 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 of their time. That's how they, they, they kind of have put themselves in a situation where their story has to be kind of kept undercover, and they have to make up a story about themselves. Meanwhile, poor Joseph, he gets carted off to Egypt, and he's sold as a slave to a military officer by the name of Potiphar. And here's where the story is really relatable, because if you think about it, none of this was Joseph's fault. It wasn't his fault that he was the favorite it wasn't his fault that his brothers sold him into slavery it wasn't his fault that he gets sold to pots of he just finds himself going from situation to situation to situation because of somebody else taking control of his story somebody else hijacking parts of his story and you know this too you have had parts of your story hijacked by the actions Of somebody else. Somebody else maybe made a selfish decision at some point that impacted you and there are parts of your story that you would never have chosen, but they are a part of your story because of the actions of someone else. So how do you respond to that? How do you respond when your life takes such a dramatic turn for the worse because of the actions of someone else, because of somebody else making a selfish decision? Well I guess the legacy question has a lot to offer us. Because it asks us, what story do I wanna tell with the rest of my story? It's easy to get bitter, isn't it? When somebody else puts you in a situation you would never have chosen. where somebody else does something to put your life in, in kind of jeopardy, a negative spin. Things have gone really, really miserable for you. Things have gone badly because of the actions of someone else. It's easy to get overcome by emotions and respond based on those emotions. But you know, Joseph is a great story because he overcomes those emotions, those negative emotions, and somehow he decides in this situation to serve Potiphar's household as if it was his own household. That's the kind of decision heroes make. They make the best of the bad hand that they've been dealt. And you know what? Potiphar notices. He notices this young man trying to better himself, trying to make a better life than the one he's been handed and he recognizes and he promotes him. In fact, it's not long before Joseph becomes the person who is in charge of the entire household, all of the staff, everyone listen to him. Now that's the kind of story worth telling, right? I mean, imagine the story, I was kidnapped once, I was sold as a slave twice, I was a victim, but I chose not to live like a victim, and I chose to work hard and rebuild my life, and now I'm in charge of everything. That's a pretty good story. But, you know, it's a story of true grit under pressure. It's a story of heroic decisions when the odds are against you because of no fault of your own. That's how we write these great stories. One decision at a time when it's the right decision, the honorable decision. But, hey, that does not mean that life only kicks you in teeth once. And if you follow the story of Joseph, you find out that sometimes nice people, even heroic people face circumstances that are just awful again and again and again through no fault of their own. It started off with his brothers uh, who sold him into slavery. Then he got sold again to Potiphar. And now when things are starting to look like they're going right for poor Joseph, everything gets turned on its head again because Potiphar's wife decides to take advantage of his situation for her own benefit. And through no fault of his own, Joseph is found in a no-win situation because part of his wife insists that he becomes her lover. Now, Joseph is put on the spot, and he only has two options, neither of which are going to lead to a positive outcome for him. I'm sure he knows this, right? Story number one, if he chooses for it to be told, could be something like this. I, I know that your husband has given me an opportunity in this household that I never, ever would have dreamed and I was faithful to him, and I was faithful to God, and, and so no, I'm not going to sleep with you. That's story number one, and it's a good story, but she's not going to like it. And she's a pretty powerful person, so who knows what's going to happen. Or story number two, your husband gave me this great opportunity that I never dreamed would come my way, so I took advantage of his trust, and I had an affair with his wife. Now, that's a bad story. It's a story God is not going to be pleased with, and certainly Potiphar is not going to be pleased with if he finds out about it. It's a bad story. And it's important to understand that this decision that Joseph had to make in this moment is a life and death decision. These are powerful people, and it doesn't matter which one of them you annoy, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. In fact, it was possible that he could have faced the death penalty if he was caught in adultery and Potiphar so chose. That would be the case. But he has to make a decision, regardless of the fact that he knows the outcome will be bad either way. Maybe you're facing a decision that you feel like is impossible. Like you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Because no matter what's going on, no matter what you try, something bad is going to come with this situation. And if that's you, I want you to remember Joseph's story. Because Joseph's story isn't finished yet. Just keep your mind on that because life is full of difficulty and ethical choices are difficult and hard and sometimes making the right choice can still get you in trouble. But you gotta remember the legacy question. What story do I want my life to tell when this is just a story that I tell five years from now? Because that will help you to make the right decision. Once again, Joseph opts for a better story This is what we read in Genesis chapter 39. These are the words that that he kind of makes his decision by. He says this. He says, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? You know, Joseph looks beyond the immediate opportunity to give in to the will of someone who can do him harm. And he considers the other people who are going to be affected by the decision that he makes. He considers how that story will play out, not just for him, but for them as well. And he chooses to honor Potiphar and to trust in the faithfulness of God, the God who has brought him from slavery into this situation in the first place. He chooses to write a good story with his life, even though he knows it's going to get him in trouble with Potiphar's wife. And it does. So she decides to falsely accuse Joseph of raping her, and he goes to jail. That's his story at this point. And sometimes you will make good decisions that end up with bad outcomes. That doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. It just means sometimes life isn't fair. And that's true for all of us. But the story isn't over. God is still faithful to Joseph who honored him. You see, while he's in prison, Joseph does the same thing he did in Potiphar's house. He works hard. He tries to better himself. He tries to regain uh, you know, integrity in the eyes of other people. He didn't lose his integrity. He did the right thing, but other people didn't believe in him. But now he begins to, to live in such a way as to be a really honorable person, very, very, you know, involved in the life of the prison, which is quite drastic if you think about it. And before you know it, the jailer notices, finds him impressive, and before you know it, he's running the jail alongside the guy. He, he gets promoted to the situation where suddenly he's quite an important person. Not only that, but he's helpful to the other prisoners. Some prisoners are having a really bad day. They've had these nightmares that keep recurring, these dreams that they have, and they know there's some kind of meaning. So they come to him, and they tell him the story, and he interprets these dreams for them. And one of those prisoners later finds favor with Pharaoh. Okay. And he gets asked to leave the prison and go and work for Pharaoh. And to cut a long story short, years later, Joseph suddenly finds himself being carted out of his cell into Pharaoh's presence because Pharaoh's had a bad dream and he wants to know what it means. And Joseph interpreted the dream of one of the guys who works for him. And so he'd, oh, I know this guy I was in prison with called Joseph. He'll, you'll be able to interpret your dream. So he gets carted before Pharaoh, and, and Pharaoh says, Here's the dream. This is what it means. Uh, it, this is what I, I had. What does it mean? And Joseph, by the power of God, is able to tell him, This is what the dream means for you. And do you know what Pharaoh says? Pharaoh says to him, Since God has made all of this known to you, There is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. I want you to try and imagine what kind of day that was for Joseph. He woke up in the morning in prison, and by the time he'd finished a meeting that he wasn't expecting with Pharaoh, he was the prime minister of Egypt. That's what God can do when you honor him with your decisions. That's how radically God can change your circumstances. But it all begins with the kind of heroic decision to do the right thing even if it costs you. Joseph would never have been in that situation if he hadn't made the right decision and get sent off to prison. And sometimes life is like that. It throws you a curveball and you think this is so unfair, but God is still in your story. It is not over yet. And if you keep making decisions that honor him and think about the other people around you, you might be surprised one day what incredible thing God can bring out of your life. What kind of story he can write when you are submitting yourself to him, even in the most unfair of circumstances quite a story, isn't it? The story of Joseph. I highly recommend you read it. Go through the book of Genesis, find that story, read it from beginning to end. That's a summary. There's so much more in it. But what I really want to ask you this morning is what kind of story do you want to tell with your life? And I don't know if you're a person of faith this morning. Maybe you're watching us online. You really don't know what to make of any of this. Maybe you think that Bible stories are just fairy tales. But whatever you believe, this is a deeply challenging story about integrity and about doing the right thing. And I'm prepared to wager that you want to make better decisions and you want to have fewer regrets in your life. So whether you're a person of faith or not, this is good advice. You should really think this through. You should make slower decisions. I don't know what pressing decisions you're feeling right now. Maybe you're in a hopeless situation and you think, I don't know what to do. And in that situation, the legacy question presents itself again. When this is just a story I tell, regardless of how things end up, when this is just a story I have to tell, what kind of story do I want to write with my life? I don't know what regrets you might be wrestling with right now. Maybe regrets of decisions you've made in the past that you didn't choose the right thing. And you know that. But I do know this. God is willing to forgive us when we confess our regrets to him, when we regret the things that we've done and we say, Lord, I'm sorry. He is willing to forgive us and to begin to rebuild our life. That is a message at the very heart of Christianity. That God forgives and God rebuilds when we come to him with open and honest humility. When you build your life around the will of God, don't be surprised how this author and perfecter of our faith begins to write a better story than we could ever have imagined with our lives. When we surrender our every decision to what would God have me do in this scenario, regardless of how the outcome is, don't be surprised if God writes a better story than you could ever have imagined. And if you are a person of faith, if you believe in the same God that Joseph believed in, then I wanna challenge you this morning to surrender your decision-making process to him, to ask, what story does God want my life to tell? And as you do that, and as you hand your life into his hands to tell your story, to tell his story through you, don't be surprised if he builds a legacy way beyond what you think your story could ever tell because that's what god does when we honor him let's pray together heavenly father i want to thank you for your goodness and i want to begin by asking for your forgiveness and your freedom from the guilt of poor decisions in the past that i've made that anybody here has made and for the courage to write a good story with the decisions that we still have to make, the decisions that will govern the rest of our stories, the rest of our lives. I wanna ask you to help everybody here listening today, whether in the room or online, help them to make better decisions and to have fewer regrets this year, and to build a legacy that will encourage others when their stories are told. Lord, may you write your own story on our hearts, the story of Jesus who suffered for a just cause and for our sake. And may we desire to walk in his footsteps and become more like Jesus, whose story changed our lives and our world forever. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.